the fact that in 1929 you could have that salty. I mean, I'm always amazed, right? When you when you look at images, right, from uh, various time periods, right, you always have this kind of impression that they're psychologically less rich, less complex than you are. And then you you do something like you read the poetry, you read the novels, and you understand that they understood more or less what you understand, right, just mm -hmm. through a different filter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Artifact number 37. I am Alex Sharamet, and I am joined by Ruslan Galopin um, over in Belgium. We've actually been talking on and off for a little bit, and uh, we were talking about this novel, Some Prefer Nettles by uh, Junichiro Tanizaki. And this is actually one of my favorite books, right? I read it for the first time. Uh, it was over 10 years ago, but I probably, it's probably maybe my fifth or sixth time reading it now. Um, and somebody in the comments, uh, some maybe a year ago or so, someone suggested, Hey, can you do some prefer nettles? Right. That's one of my favorite books. I forget who it was, but I was sort of planning on doing it. Um, Ruslan, uh, agreed to do the show. So, uh, we're going to be discussing this book, right? It's, it's only about my edition is 202 pages. Right. So it's not too long, but uh, just re reading it now. Right. There's so much going on structurally. There's so much going on. Just kind of, um, you know, sense by sense, just prose is beautiful. Um, there's so much going on, not only in characterization, but very kind of sneaky ways that Tanizaki, who like he, he's always had this kind of like a set of like aesthetic fixations. He he wrote this one book. um, I forget if it's like called in praise of shadows or something yeah, else. Praise, in praise of shadows. Of shadows. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I read that. I, I don't remember getting that much out of it because it was kind of like it struck me as his own sort of like personal, peculiar aesthetic fixations and not not so easily to extrapolate that into, you know, art consistently. But here it seems like some of his own aesthetic fixations, whether it's like a puppet theater or something else. Although there's a lot of that going on here, it's used for a very specific purpose, which is to get into the minds of the characters, right? And to really explore in a kind of symbolic way their own hangups, right? Their own issues, their sort of permutations throughout the text from beginning to end, right? All these character arcs. So that's a very fascinating way of like maybe placating some of your own personal desires, right? Artistically, while also ensuring that uh, you know, the, the, the reader get, gets a lot out of this. Um, and, uh, Ruslan and I are actually going to do an after show, uh, for patrons, right? So that's patreon.com slash automachination. We're going to discuss the Bergman film, the 1980 film, I believe, uh, from the life of, uh, marionettes. Um, I actually saw it a, a second time watching it, a fascinating little tidbit. Uh, oftentimes when I watch movies uh, twice, I forget that I had seen it before and it's only like maybe 15 minutes. And like I was watching my wife last night and she was like, we saw this movie and I was like, what? I was looking for this movie for a while. I couldn't find it. She's like, no, we saw it. And this is what happens. And it was only like 20 minutes in. I was like, oh yeah, I, I remember this, right? <laughs> so I, I don't know if you if you have that experience, but oftentimes I just don't. 
I just don't remember movies until I see them a second time. Like when when Jessica Schneider wrote for Adam Machination her review of Bergman's Winter Light, I was like, all right, before posting her article, let me let me watch this movie because I've never seen it before. And then I sat out, I was like, 20 minutes and I was like, no, I did see this before, right? Um, so this is a very frequent occurrence to me. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, um, uh, so both both of us are, right, uh, we were born in the, in the Soviet Union. So we're going to talk about Soviet culture, Soviet upbringing, maybe some Russia, Ukraine stuff. I have an interview coming up with a, a Ukraine expert um, sometime in the next couple of weeks. So maybe we could sort of hash out also some additional questions to discuss, now, plus a bunch of other topics. I mean, these shows are always kind of long, kind of wild. So, I mean, that should be good. I'm not sure if, uh, Rusan, you have anything else to say by way of introduction. Uh, no, just uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so Summer for Nettles, it's a, it's a great book, and I came across it from a review of uh, Jessica Schneider on the Cosmo Idaho website. I was just hunting for great books, and yeah, it's a pretty short one. In my edition, it's only 150 pages, mm -hmm. so it's a quick read, but it has a Packs a big punch. It's a it's a really great novel. Um, yeah, I guess let's get into it. Okay. All right. So, so uh, I mean, every single time that I read, I definitely notice stuff that I have noticed before, right? I mean, if you're dealing with a great work of art, um, you need to be able to not only be open to that, but also understand that this this will happen, right? The reason why you would reread is to notice things he didn't notice before. It could be, you know, a line that you hadn't noticed before. It could be, um, you know, something about the characterization, right? And uh, one thing that I wanted to focus on now, right, upon rereads, uh, it, it, it could get kind of difficult to really understand what's happening um, from chapter to chapter uh, in terms of like structurally, simply because it's such a kind of like tightly constructed novel right it's very seamless right by by it being difficult i don't mean that like you can't follow it's actually very easy to follow but the fact that it's so seamless um makes you maybe take for granted how tightly constructed it is structurally but you know of course for it to feel seamless for it to be seamless it needs to be constructed that tightly um, and even just starting from the first chapter, so like th this book, I believe it was published in 1929. 20 29, okay, yeah, 1929. Yeah. Um, so uh, interestingly, like uh, you would uh, maybe at the time, I'm not sure maybe how Japanese people were feeling then, Japanese artists, that kind of thing. But, you know, of course, uh, soon we were going to have uh, uh, the Japanese emperor uh, make an alliance later on with Nazi Germany, right? There's going to be World War II. Um, there's not actually a lot of politics in the book, right? In fact, there's almost no politics with the exception of this totally like almost throwaway line near the end of the uh, novel where uh, one of the chief characters, uh, Kaname, he... Uh, visits a prostitute and there's some kind of comment from the narrator that starting in 1918 uh it's native japanese people that started crowding out all the foreign kind of you know prostitution firms or whatever right um this kind of this idea of this like growing nationalism the sense of like we could actually you know uh you know stand up for ourselves in in whatever kind of twisted way that might come out and ultimately did but um you know i found that kind of a a, a bit fascinating right a lot of people might complain about the fact that 
oh, there's not enough politics. And we're talking about right before World War II, you know, how, how, how dare you not even assess it? But really, like, think about it. Even, even if we were to concede that all of this is so hugely important, the fact that the characters are so kind of, you know, uh, they're, they're such like dilettantes, right? And they're so, uh, far away from any kind of like real life troubles, right? Given their kind of status in life, right? They mm -hmm. have a ton of money. It's not clear at all what they do, right? There's another throwaway line where it's like, Kaname has to show himself uh, once a week at the office. Like what office? What does he do once a week? How has this come to this kind of arrangement, especially in a kind of yeah. difficult work ethic? Uh, in, even in Japan at the time, it was still kind of a difficult uh, work ethic, right? Um, so all these like little things, right? Like there are political comments, but they are very subtle, right? And you have to have your mind attuned. It could be attuned to politics, that's fine. But if you're not attuned to the arts, right? You're actually going to miss some of the things going on uh, underneath the surface, right? And what this really says about, you know, the kind of like human disconnect that these characters are feeling. Um, but maybe uh, before I, I get into chapter one, like, was there anything about the chapter that you saw that you highlighted, um, whether it's like, I don't know, passages or, or anything that you thought worthwhile talking about? Um... No, like like you said, there's not a lot of politics in it, but uh, I think there's like politics, like broad politics. There's the uh, East and the West going on mm -hmm. there. And it's basically the, the main characters pulled to either like sort of conservatism to narrow his world or um, uh, so or broaden his world, be, become more progressive, look, looking for, towards the future. Uh, so he's basically stuck between those two lines of thought for his divorce mm -hmm. um so that's what i saw in there it was like a broader politics you can extrapolate that and make it like larger than just his personal choices so that was that was pretty interesting certainly in light of the coming world war there's just the situation that he sketches namely there's there's a like a divorce he doesn't know if he wants to divorce but it's also a sort of open marriage which is very um like a very modern situation i wouldn't expect it to see it in an, in a japanese novel from the 1920s let alone any novel from the 1920s uh so that points towards something i guess mm -hmm. um well yeah. let's see how uh, tanizaki treats all this right in the first couple of pages um I mean, like, let, let's just kind of read through this, right? You want to just grab that, maybe the, uh, let's say the first page, second page, down to when we discover, and this is the critical thing, right? We don't discover much about the divorce until, uh, uh, until like a couple of pages in, right? Like the, uh, I think that that construction is really wonderful. Um, if you want to take it away from, from the top. You think you might go then? Misako asked several times during the morning. Konami, as usual, was evasive. However, and Misako found it impossible to make up her own mind. The morning passed. At about one o'clock, she took a bath and dressed, and, ready for either eventuality, sat down inquiringly beside her husband. He said nothing. The morning newspaper was still spread open in front of him. Anyway, your bath is ready. Oh, Konami lay sprawl on a couple of cushions, his chin in his hand. He pulled his head a little to the side as he caught a suggestion of Misako's perfume. Careful not to meet her eyes, he glanced at her. More accurately, he glanced at her clothes in an effort to catch some hint of a purpose that might make his decision for him. 
Unfortunately, he had not been paying much attention to her clothes lately. He knew vaguely that she gave a great deal of attention to them and was always buying something new, but he was never consulted and never knew what he, she had bought. He could make out nothing more revealing than the figure of an attractive and stylish matron dressed to go out. What would you like to do? He asked. It doesn't really matter. If you're going, I'll go too. If not, I can go to Suma. You've promised to go to Suma? Not really. Tomorrow would do as well. Seated stiffly, her eyes fixed firmly on the spot two or three feet over Kanami's head. Misako began buffing her nails. Today was not the first time they had been faced with this difficulty. Indeed, whenever they had to decide whether or not to go out together, each of them became passive, watchful, hoping to take a position according to the other's manner. It was as if they held a basin of water balanced between them and waited to see in which direction it would spill. Sometimes the day passed without their coming to a decision. Sometimes at the last moment, they suddenly knew what they would do. Today was little different, however. Konami sensed that they would finally go out together. His refusal even so to be a little more positive was not entirely a matter of perverseness or laziness. He thought of their tense trips alone together, no less tense for being, as today, only the one-hour trip to downtown Osaka. He sensed too what Misako wanted to do. She did not have to go to Suma, she said, but there was not much doubt that she would rather go there to see Azo than be bored at the puppet theater with her father. It seemed necessary somehow to bring her feelings out into the open. Misako's father, yeah. Uh, I, I'm just noticing that you're pronouncing his name a uh, Kaname, which I believe is the correct way. I believe it, it was the uh, accent on the second syllable, but uh, I had forgotten it. Um, oh, I just yeah. picked any pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, well, you you picked, uh, incidentally, the right one. L let me just uh, take the final paragraph here. Yeah. So, Misako's father had called from Kyoto the day before and asked if the two of them would join him at the theater. Misako had been out and Kaname had been rash enough to say that they probably could. As a matter of fact, he could not very well have refused. Let me know the next time you come down for the theater, he had remarked once in a somewhat hypocritical attempt to please the old man. I haven't been in much too long myself. He had evidently been taken at his word. Then, then too, quite aside from the play, it was not entirely impossible that he and Misako's father might not have another chance to talk at their ease together. The old man, now nearly 60, was in retirement in Kyoto, where he lived the life of the conservative man of taste. While Konami's own tastes were rather different, and he was often enough annoyed at the old man's displays of connoisseurship, still the latter had played the gallant in his youth, it was said, and there remained something open and easy in his manner that Konami found very attractive. The thought that soon they might not, might not no longer be father-in-law and son-in-law gave him considerable regret. In fact, he sometimes told himself ironically the regret at divorcing his father-in-law might be somewhat stronger than the regret at divorcing his wife. And though ordinarily such an idea would not have troubled him, he wanted one last chance to demonstrate his sense of filial duty. Right. Um, I remember. I remember the first time reading this. I don't know what your initial response was, but the fact that the divorce was introduced specifically in this totally oblique way, hidden behind this idea of puppets, hidden behind this idea of filial duty, 
Um, and also just kind of like, you know, almost like sarcastically, right? Uh, like, oh, you know, I would regret uh, not being married specifically because I can't be around this guy, right, anymore, right, as opposed to missing my wife, right? Um, and that also just totally kind of sets into context some of those earlier uh, comments, right, about, you know, this balancing of this basin of water uh, between the two. Um, not only is that kind of like, you know, it's it's obviously kind of like a bit of an Asian sort of image, but uh, the idea that, you know, we're talking about it possibly spilling one direction or another, right, the, the spill, um, I think, encapsulates pretty nicely the kind of interactions, right, that the two have. Um, and and we, we don't exactly know, right, yet summa right what all this what all this is referring to but we know that something something is up right so um i mean like what were your responses when you uh first read uh that right i mean i, I definitely thought it was very very cleverly constructed it is it is just i thought it was a very good characterization of him with the all the indecision it's just there's a constant theme throughout the book it's his indecision um yeah and you you get thrown into it you you don't know what is this suma stuff you you get in uh a sort of um a picture of this uh father-in-law all of these things will be undercut later on in the book um but it's a it's a it's a good opening and the image of the uh, water basin which is about to spill is very good i think and we'll come back towards the end which which mm -hmm. will have it it will have if his um resolution so to say mm -hmm. yeah and it's just it's it is sort of wryly funny the 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 regretted divorcing his father-in-law might be somewhat stronger than the regretted divorcing his mm -hmm. wife uh the book has lots of these lines that are sort of funny in that way yeah, there's um, actually there's actually some humor uh, here that I didn't pick up on before uh, that we're going to get to later, like when uh, Kaname is sitting around just really obsessed with this, uh, um, you know, modern edition of the Arabian Nights uh, in English. Yeah. Right. And how he gets like totally lost in it, not because there's any kind of artistic quality he finds, but he's just searching for dirty <laughs> passages. Yeah. Right. And he's also like he strikes me as a man that's not even... He's honestly not even all that interested in sex, right? Uh, it may be like sex of a peculiar sort, but there's something oddly asexual about him, despite the fact that he is so, you know, highly uh, sexualized, right? Um, and also, I'm not sure if you picked up on this, but like, well, we, uh, so we, we hear for the first time, right? Reference to the father-in-law and he's called uh, the old man. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever named, right? He's just no. called the old man. Like, what would you think about that detail? I mean, we're going to talk about the father more later, but what do you think about that detail? Yeah. So that I noticed that too, after my second read. And I think it's, so Kanami has, Kanami has this idea that he wants to grow into becoming that, that sort of person. So, I mean, that's, that was my take on why he wouldn't actually name him by name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I, I actually didn't think yeah. of that. It could be exactly. It could be like a little bit of a fear, right? He sort of like makes fun of this man, but um, he also sees himself like, you know what? Like, where's there to make fun of? Like, I could definitely see myself this way uh, in the yeah. future, right? But he, he's also not even sixty, right? Um, you know, so it's kind of like no. the old man, the old man, the old man, um, and like it kind of starts in this way where it's uh, 
you know, there's something very idiomatic about it, right? You could, you know, you, you hear that all the time where right? like, oh yeah, like my old man or this old man. And that could be like a, maybe a bit of a kind of a colloquial introduction, but we never get past, right? That colloquial introduction. It's always, it, it always remains, uh, you know, part of that. But, but like, I don't know, like, what do you think about, like, there's, there's this like really elaborate, you know, like almost like a page long uh, paragraph of, just talking about his clothes and Misako's sort of involvement in that. Like, Kanasa Konami was careful about his clothes as Misako was about hers. Particular kimono required a particular cloak and a particular sash, and each ensemble was planned down, even to accessories like the watch and chain, the wallet, the cloak cord, the cigarette case. Only Misako understood the system well enough to be able to put everything together when he specified the kimono he would wear. Right? Um... And it just it just sort of keeps going and going right about all this like uh like were you thrown off by any of these sort of like early almost purely aesthetic discussions yeah but uh they do feed into the characterization i think mm -hmm. as in um there's all this talk about how they're modern and how they're um i mean they want to leave all of that not behind but they want to see more westernized and everything and mm -hmm. that just they they are still like conservative with a small c uh even they don't really have the self-awareness to see that they are that mm -hmm. uh what, what what makes you say that uh even here you're getting like a sense that they're kind of conservative well this is more after like in my second reading, there's this this is character, uh, the Hideo Takanatsu, who's mm -hmm. like a, a, a more modern man. So when he comes on, there's a definite uh, contrast between like the modern and the ancient that that's more pronounced. And that's when I picked up really on this uh, passage or multiple passages which, which seem to go, which are a bit like frilly. They don't seem to actually contribute to the narrative or to characterization. But actually, if you look a bit deeper, there's that. Uh, there, it is just good characterization, I think. Mm -hmm. Of yeah, yeah. I, I mean, e even something like I mean, there's something about the fact that this is like a wealthy family, right? Without even like a, a real job description or anything like that. Right. It's 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 going to, on the one hand, create maybe uh, some of the uh, problems of leisure that we see, like suddenly, you know, they are, you know, their eyes start wandering for other partners. Right. Uh, their whole kind of like interpretation of sex, at least uh, uh, Kaname's is uh, very much tied into just like highly sort of like uh, specific experiences that he's had or like interpretations of women or what he might see uh, about himself or in others, or like whatever. Um, uh, th there's definitely like room for this kind of, uh, you know, self-indulgence, but also just by the mere fact that they have so much uh, and just like no ability to even like, you know, waste it, it seems um that's going to create like a ton of uh, uh conservatism kind of like i think psychologically right there's going to be this sort of inertia right um even if it's going to be a uh, kind of like in this you know konami like later he starts to recede into a, a puppet show or whatever right um he starts getting fixations on you know this or that you know western uh edition of a book um still right there's there's this kind of like this uh idea that um 
there, there's really not that much more for him to do, not much more for them to go. There really isn't that much left for there to be explored, right? In, in a way, like being that bored in life, um, you're sort of starting from the assumption that there's really nothing more out there, right? You're just bored with life, right? You've sort of seen everything, experienced everything, and um, ha just having access to so much that he has, uh, it, it doesn't allow, um, you know, it, it doesn't allow him to actually, you know, truly explore anything, right? Like, it seems like his his wife, right? Like, this is another odd part. Like, do you notice, like, some of the negative commentary towards Misako, by uh, Kaname or the old man. Like, did you notice some of that? Like some of those like stray comments? Uh, well, they are entirely positive on her and she seems to bear the, well, she seems to be the guilty party. Yeah, for, exactly. Uh, the yeah. old man. And um, when, um, also I think Kaname is a sort of, has a, this sort of a manipulative streak uh, uh, with her, where when he, well, first of all, he 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 lets her, he lets him be clothed by her. She still she ser serves this sort of servant role here, um, despite them having maids and uh, yeah maids, so they have servants for everything. But also he uses her, um, so it's an affair, it's an open relationship as a sort of um leverage to to well basically the guilt trip her um yeah and like, like, what, like, yeah. like what in what ways do you think uh she's either made to feel guilty or he tries to make her feel guilty like would you notice uh well there's so there's this part where she confesses to him that she has an affair and he is all hot. Well, he's the good guy and says, well, you can have it because his marriage isn't working. Um, but there's a, like an undertone of like, you owe me for everything. You can't, um, you can't just, just separate from me. I'm, I'm still controlling everything despite never saying any of that. He's very, mm -hmm. oh no, but, uh, I'll, I'll let the, uh, the solution come to me. I'll, I'll he's a very passive man. He, that everything has to come to him instead of him mm -hmm. making the decision. Mm -hmm. um, and he uses that against her. This, and he, he sees it as something that's good on his part because uh, he wants to stay friends with her and he wants the son not to be like stressed about a divorce. But uh, her... Indecision is a little bit more understandable because she she then she will lose her son uh, if she divorces. She will lose her status in society more than him because she will, if the affair comes to light, she will have a ruined reputa reputation, uh, which is very hypocritical of him because he has a bunch of affairs too. Yeah, he lusts all the time. Yeah. And, and uh, maybe we talk about this near the end, right? Where there's a kind of sit down with the father-in-law uh, and uh, Konami, right? And uh, he he does say a couple of surprising things. One of them being like, "I think you're in the wrong, Konami," right? Um, but uh, when he, you know, when they start discussing this idea of like free choice, free will, right, in the context of having affairs, uh, open marriages, and you know, a test trial to see whether or not you want a divorce, right? Um, 
and, and he says there really is no free choice in the matter, right? One thing that I want to explore as we read some of those passages later is just this idea that how much of this is based on uh, just the idea that, well, this is the way the society is set up, right? Where um, an exploration on her part is going to simply be more punished by society, right? Than whatever explorations that he has, right? Mm -hmm. um, the worst that he has to worry about is when he sees uh, his prostitutes is he needs to uh, make sure that he doesn't smell of a certain like powder or, or whatever, right? Um, so that he doesn't cause any kind of like, you know, uh, either a fight or just kind of like, um, you know, resentment or whatever. Um, and even there, he kind of tries to push the envelope by having his palms still yeah, yeah. have the smell of perfume. Mm -hmm. So it's those little glints of his, I mean, manipulativeness yeah. that come yeah. forward. Yeah. There's just like passive aggressive quality, even if, um, and I, I think this is uh, partly, you know, uh, maybe this like innate with uh, some of the kind of like more, you know, Japanese style aesthetics, right? There's this kind of the classical thing where there's going to be understated description, understated characterization in many ways, right? Uh, uh, but it lends itself nicely to the kind of character who is in fact passive aggressive, but takes a lot of pains to maybe uh present himself as otherwise right as oh you know i'm not passive aggressive right uh the sort the whole kind of japanese style um you know creates that tension nicely and it emphasizes you know one of those elements while kind of like trying to pull you know in some ways like a western sensibility like because that's the thing like i mean there, there's a whole kind of like cultural um you know a west east pull within the book obviously but stylistically right uh there's 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 very much uh, something like that going on as well right uh th that is uh worth mentioning um yeah so i mean like structurally right this is this is how we begin right uh we have a chapter that within a couple of pages we hear about the divorce but it, it's done in a way that's kind of like almost humorous and throwaway and i mean you could be reading it and you could easily uh miss that line if you were careless right and not exactly uh, understand the import right um i've definitely picked up on lines that i that i uh, uh missed right uh i you know i had forgotten the whole line with like konami says oh yeah i need to show up at the office uh once a week right and sort of like everything that says about him um so i mean structurally this is this is how we begin uh the the chapter ends uh with them asking about like all right we're we gonna you know so what's happening with suma right are you gonna telephone Aso? right this is the first time that we hear this guy's name later on we learn that this is in fact uh misako's lover right and this is her sort of trial right to see whether or not she would prefer being with another man over uh kaname um so this is how this is how we end by the time that we get to the second chapter, those kinds of like hints of uh, aesthetic trappings, whether it's in clothes or whatever else, they really come to the fore, right, by way of the puppet theater. And you start noticing uh, a change also within Kanama himself, right, where he's kind of like more interested quite suddenly uh, in the puppet show, right, before it was supposed to be a favor for his father-in-law because he loves to see these shows. But now he's generally intrigued. Um, within within the, the kind of the confines of this kind of specific you know universe within some preferred nettles uh why did you think that he suddenly had this kind of 
uh, maybe this like newfound appreciation, right? And by saying that, like, we don't exactly mean that uh, this is necessarily great art or high art, or even if it's like good puppetry, I mean, we don't know anything about it. Um, but what w- w- what do you think about it, like diegetically, like within the universe's, uh, within the book, within the universe of the book, like, why do you think he was more interested suddenly? Again, it's it, it feeds into the character as in he's trying to escape his because um, he's being pulled in two ways, mm-hmm. like uh, the more Western way or the uh, the traditional Japanese way. Um, and there you see him kind of, well, it's not succumbing. He willingly chooses the, uh, the, um, the path of lesser resistance mm-hmm. as in oh, yeah, that's yeah, what that, these, yeah, yeah that, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, he's already in that area, right. And the father-in-law is there. He's like, Oh, you know, wash the swatches. Yeah. And he's just kind of, you know, maybe this is just passivity where he's just kind of going along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, some it's not in this uh puppet chapter but in the next he said he says he doesn't really watch it for the plot which uh or the characters he just watches for the movements mm-hmm. there's not even a sense that he even really understands what's uh happening on stage because the um the shows that they are watching they could be uh, a commentary on his situation mm-hmm. with his uh, marriage like love suicide um but the only thing that he sees is the uh the superficial aesthetic quality of everything mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it, it's interesting because um you know like uh, uh even if the author doesn't necessarily know this himself or like a, a film director or whatever right sometimes i do wonder you know, to what extent when I perceive uh, Woody Allen, for instance, making fun of bad art in some of his movies, um, I wonder if Woody Allen himself actually perceives himself to be doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I believe that he is, right? Um, and I think there's, you know, objective uh, uh, information to say that whatever the you know personal intentions of somebody like woody allen right you, you could see uh something like uh you know the lead character in manhattan um when the opening uh lines are like essentially him you know writing about the power of the city over him and he says stuff like you know is like coiled up with sexual energy like a jungle cat mm-hmm. you know that you know th- that 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 to me like whether or not uh, uh someone might feel that that's a good writing as they're doing it right uh that clearly to me is a giveaway but here right um there's this interesting kind of thing where i i definitely know other tanizaki novels where he does get carried a bit too away with his own aesthetic fixations right and he doesn't necessarily let the aesthetics be used as a means of characterization it just kind of like exists for its own sake but here you know like you mentioned okay there's this passivity with kaname uh kaname and he's you know he's kind of like moving along to the show because it's there but also just like psychologically right he starts to maybe uh go further and further receding further and further into himself into some sort of past right he likes this kind of weird mix of uh women that are both uh traditional but also you know highly sexual like it's just this totally incoherent thing right Mm -hmm. that in some ways you know he might just you know he might have just constructed this also this highly elaborate 
a static game uh, for the sake of not, you know, dealing with a real woman in a healthy way, right? Because that might be difficult. Now there's this um, discussion of uh, the places, mm -hmm. so like the cities themselves, that also uh, show there's a this character like the Osaka, Osaka is seen to be this rough course um, culture, but it is the uh, emotionally healthy, it seems, because people actually talk to each other, they're open, whereas uh, the Kyoto um, culture is seen as more elegant and more high culture, but it, it's clearly like emotionally cut off. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow all these people think that is the way to to follow. I think Tanizaki should, does show here that the Osakan way is the the better one. Uh, but that's what I concluded from it. He he gives enough um, arguments for that to be the case. Yeah. But uh, well, well, yeah. Well, one thing that I notice about any kind of like arguments that he presents is uh, there's always you know any set of like counter arguments or like it's not a complete argument, right? Like um. Like, so like the old man, right, he's presented in the first two, two chapters in a totally kind of comic fashion, right? So he has Ohisa, his mm -hmm. mistress, and uh, she's presented a bit kind of comically too, almost like she's not like a real person. And in the first two chapters, it's like, you know, Kaname is essentially, although we have a, a third person omniscient narrator, uh, it's not, uh, I don't want to say it's not totally omniscient, although it sort of veers into that uh, uh, sometimes. Like it says, for instance, something like, um, you know, uh, if if uh, Misako did X, Y, and Z, uh, you know, Konami would have probably done, you know, whatever else, right, as a result, right? And th that's an interesting kind of thing to notice simply because, you know, uh, you're, you are in that case treating human beings uh, as, you know, essentially a probability space where um, no one is really required to behave a certain way. Right, you you just have probabilistic outcomes when it comes to people, right? That's a nice kind of <clears throat> kind of touch when it comes to you know humanizing characters, uh, but specifically like leading into chapter three, like we only have uh, all the um, you know s you know secondhand commentary about the old man, right? Like he's he's describing who he is uh kana kaname is trying to present him uh, as a comic figure perhaps like pitiful almost in some ways even if he envies envies him in other ways but it's only after they t sit through the puppet show and you know uh Masai was like i don't want to stay here i want to leave but it's only after they sit through and chapter three begins right after the show ends uh where for the first time the old man gets to speak right and he, there's this kind of mix of like, all right, we're kind of confirming the things that Konami has thought about him, but also there's new things that are being introduced about him that will, uh, in some ways, um, you know, uh, uh, presage what's going to happen later, which is, you know, the old man actually has uh, a lot of uh, interesting wisdom and a lot of understanding about the conflicts between modernity and between, you know, uh, 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 you know, the ancient world, that kind of thing. So, um, uh, uh, notice how, like, so like when they first start talking in chapter three, right. Uh, when Konami says that, um, you know, like I really did enjoy myself and the old man says, I don't expect you to enjoy yourself, but it does, you no harm to see something like this at least once in your life. And he responds, 
I'm enjoying myself thor- thoroughly, though. Why do you suppose it is? I see a great deal I missed before. And the only response the old man gives is as follows. They're almost, these are almost the last of the great puppeteers. I wonder how it will be when they are gone, right? It's like a totally oblique answer. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't try to answer for Konami, whatever is going on psychologically. It's almost as if like the old man believes that the puppetry itself has like a strong psychological component almost kind of like a subjectivist kind of uh, a view right and he's sort of like uh, almost like encouraging him to to see further right and this kind Mm -hmm. of oblique statement about the great puppeteers we don't you know we don't exactly know what he means by that right And i think in some ways rather than like spending a lot of time just exploring you know uh the art in, in in this kind of direction right we're just sort of left it's kind of like oblique you know a commentary by way of tangents you know mm-hmm. and this also comes back uh later on when they um when he discusses the songs that uh ohisa has to learn how to sing and how they're very well they're a bit obscure in meaning yeah i, I don't uh, i don't really remember that part can you elaborate uh so this is like in chapter nine or something like that when they're on the awaji islands mm-hmm. uh and he has the old man has ohisa his mistress learn all of these uh old osakan songs uh but they are very obscure in meaning as in um you have to work to get to get something out of them but it could also be that there's just not much in well like his answer here is like um it's either encouraging uh konami to look beyond that or there is there's, there isn't actually anything there it's just uh obscure to just purely obscure um Oh, I, I actually I have yeah. something on uh, uh, page thirty-five. It's different in your edition, but um, when Misako uh, is uh, uh, is being like discussed right in this context, so she's also doing, I guess, a little bit of work with instruments. So Misako had recently taken to practicing the Tokyo Samisen to dispel her unspoken sorrows, and its clear, thin tones arouse in uh, Kaname a feeling of pleasant intimacy mixed with the regret. The old man argued that the Tokyo style was uninteresting except in the hands of a master. The amateur, he said, tended to drown out the overtones in a dead clatter as his plectrum struck the tout leather face. It was true, of course, that the Osaka tones were fuller, but Misako said, and Kaname agreed with her, that Japanese music was simple and one-threaded in any case, and that the lightness of the Tokyo style did not weigh it down as the grossness of the Osaka style did. When they discussed Japanese music, Kaname and Misako always formed an alliance against the old man. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you think of uh, that passage in relation to music, and also especially that that final line that almost seems to totally come out of nowhere, but I think is the mm-hmm. sort of critical line here. Well, the thing is, I, it, his, it's commentary on music that seems to, to say something meaningful on just um, instrumental music seems pretty difficult. But that last line is 
I think what leads into the next paragraph that he's always going on about young people today. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's in some way a sort of old boomer type who who who's like stuck in his uh, old ways and he has all of these um, fanciful uh, ways of explaining it, but not actually understanding it on a more deeper level that it has to go forward like artistically he, yeah 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 I, I was struck by it reminded me of when i did that thing with joel parish um on uh, steppenwolf where you had uh uh harry holler uh essentially like he he sees a, a painting of goethe that he doesn't like right because that's the thing we can only say that he doesn't like it because he doesn't really give a true artistic explanation for why this or that thing fails right but it, it just kind of shows maybe their own you know personal sensibilities right and you have the same idea here right um you know he's fixated on on uh, personal responsibilities but uh, i mean i i, I do find that uh, line in that paragraph the closing line may be the most interesting when they discuss japanese music uh kaname masako always formed an alliance against the old man like i mean would you would you think of that when you read it because I, I it was pretty startling to read well i see it more as a line that was just um that's that plays in the past in their mm -hmm. past as in they would always uh well not gang up on the old man but they are clearly of the modern sensibility they they're sort of the mirror opposite of the old man who's stuck in his old ways but they are purely stuck in new western modern ways and that's why they have to fight the old man despite not making really any arguments why why it's good or bad it's just we're young and that's also the reason they get for their divorce is that they they don't want to waste their youth they want to mm -hmm. be free and be young and it's that's the reason why they gang up on the old man instead of like um well they don't have a, a like a, a good discussion or anything it's it's walls closed off and it's one against mm -hmm. the other um mm -hmm. yeah that's how i read it yeah it's, it's interesting that we have this like you know almost abstract thing right that in a sense brings them together uh, simply because of, of the kind of like highly I guess symbolic quality to it right what it um what it allows uh, uh them to see not only like uh, you know in themselves and and about each other right but but also um you know it's kind of becomes like a means of like self-justification right, as the novel goes on right why are you behaving this way well you know let's let's just look at the old man's uh feelings about music and that should kind of explain everything right mm -hmm. doesn't it um so i mean that was definitely an interesting kind of a, a detail um and uh so in the next page right we, we get into uh uh kaname's kind of like fixation on a peculiar kind of woman and also by extension also i guess a kind of art and i think the fact that you know he's even able to confuse the two so easily right uh a person and a work of art right um i i think i think that kind of says everything right so uh it's it's part of a it's actually a paragraph that lasts for almost uh, two and a half pages right um so in in discussing uh the arts right 
Uh, not that Konami found the scent an entirely repulsive one. Right? We're talking about like the uh, uh, merchant class. He had grown up in the merchant section of Tokyo before the earthquake destroyed it, and the thought of it could fill him with the keenest nostalgia. But the very fact that he was a child of the merchant's quarter made him especially sensitive to its inadequacies, to its vulgarity, and its preoccupation with the material. He reacted from it toward the sublime and the ideal. It was not enough that something should be touching, charming, graceful. It had to have about a certain radiance, the power to inspire veneration. One had to feel forced to one's knees before it or lifted by it to the skies. Konami required this not only in works of art. A woman worshipper, he looked for the same divine attributes in women, but he had never come upon what he was looking for either in art or in women. He only harbored a vague dream, and its very refusal to become a reality made his longing the keener. Um, I mean, there, there's a few interesting uh, pieces here, but one thing uh, that immediately jumped out to me is just in the fact that uh, both tackling and understanding the arts, as well as learning how to healthily uh, exist in a relationship, they're both pretty difficult things to do right? Um, many, if not uh, most people never manage, right? Um, isn't it just kind of wonderful to see all the kind of roadblocks, right? He puts in front of him self to essentially, you know, be able to not do either, right? Like the title, right? Like some prefer nettles, right? Such a beautiful title. Uh, the, uh, the original Japanese is something like, it's like the first half of a phrase about uh, like- water. Pepper eating bugs. Yeah, like yeah, the, the, the water. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like something about water uh, 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 bugs that eat peppers or whatever, right? And they they love uh, uh, they love peppers, right? Um, and here, right, he's kind of you know because of this difficulty up ahead, right? Whether it's in the arts or in women, right? Let let let's let's sting ourselves and hurt our, ourselves uh, 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 in order that we don't have to deal with this other thing that he. You know, assumes is going to be so much, uh, um, you know, costlier or, or even more difficult, right? And you know, at a certain point, like the kind of roadblocks that you set up are, um, you know, even worse than the thing itself, right? That you're trying to avoid. I mean, that that's the whole thing about pro procrastination, right? As a rule, it's kind of like a, a preventing you from experiencing the pain of something that you want to do. But by the time you get to that thing that you do have to do, uh, you've created so much more pain in the process, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So in some ways, like it's the story is not too different from that concept, but um, like, 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 what do you think about this whole kind of introduction of uh, Konami as like a woman worshiper, either in this passage or, or similar passages? Cause there's a, there's a few little, you know, comments like this. Well, it just shows that he has a sort of black and white mind. I think he's not able to see subtly uh, as you as is necessary to appreciate art or like be in a relationship because he just sees the woman as either it's it's the like the the trope of madonna whore uh mm -hmm. she's either a mother or she's like a prostitute and he can't see uh beyond that um but like you said it is like a roadblock that he himself also puts in, in there to to never actually have to deal with uh, 
anything. It is it is the path of the least resistance, but it will come up as having the biggest problems uh, mm -hmm. later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think about so like chapter three ends with uh, Misako uh, essentially? Okay, so now uh, they're done with the play. They're done with uh, his father-in-law, right? And she gets in a cab uh, to go to Suma to see her uh, uh, to see her lover. And chapter four begins with this uh, letter, kind of out of the blue. And there, there's a few little devices like this in the text um, uh, from uh, uh, Takanatsu, right? I believe that's his. Uh, what is that? Is that his that's brother? Or no, his cousin. His cousin. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's yeah, Kaname's uh, cousin. Um, what do you, What do you think about this uh, decision? Right? Uh, maybe we could just like read the letter too. Uh, that was sent to a character that's been like a total cipher until this point, right? Hiroshi, which is the the it's the it's the child, right, of these uh, people, but. Um, we don't, and despite the fact that they're home all day and don't do anything, uh, we don't really see, uh, or hear much about him other than, uh, we don't want to like, you know, we don't want to ruin his vacation or we don't want to say anything to him about her, an impending divorce. Right. Um, and actually, uh, Konami has said uh, that, uh, he felt like once a week he goes, he has to go to his office. Mm -hmm. but then like once a month he has a, a fit of helpfulness mm -hmm. where he brings his child to school yeah uh which uh yeah like like to, yeah. to say that i i i forgot uh, uh i maybe i have it somewhere in the notes but i probably would have never found it but uh i i remember uh reading that part for the first time not for the first time but i mean i read it before but it really kind of like struck me how so like all right so like we, we keep hearing the misako is you know like there's something wanting in her character right like uh, uh when the when the uh, third person om omniscient narrator says something like uh going into konami's head uh it was something like and misako's character being what it was dot 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 and then later on right we have um the old man he says something like you know uh, uh i can't like defend or something misako's character but Really, I don't see, um, you know, I, I don't see too many negatives within her character. That's the odd mm -hmm. thing, right? Like a lot of this is clearly like, even if there's supposed to be this like moment of wisdom in the old man or whatever later on, uh, even if there are things you could you know, legitimately criticize all characters, um, a comment like that, right? Like he goes into office once and uh once a week and then once a month he decides to do something for misako right and and that's brought out because misako it's like a sunday morning and she's sort of like laying around uh in bed until noon which she doesn't get to do all that often and she really tries to uh bask in it at the time um whereas konami seems like he's always just laying around <laughs> it seems mm -hmm. like you know it, it, the, the book opens up with like he has like a hand on his chin reading some sort of fucking like trash book or whatever right mm -hmm. or some kind of catalog um and he's always just kind of like laying around and and she's not right uh she's she's obviously like a time waster in many ways too right she's a dill tom anyways but it seems like for all the kind of trappings and i mean we get this later on right for all the trappings of modernity right there's definitely a domesticity that um she's not only 
forced into it as a woman, but she also seems to generally be interested in some of it, right? She's not just doing it just to do it. She's she's doing it because she seems to get some level of uh, enjoyment and value out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems that Konami, he, he can speak English, but it's kind of implied that he only learned it by visiting prostitutes, where she mm-hmm. goes to like a, a cl- she meets her uh, her lover in a French class, so she's she she makes this she does take decisions. She's not like mm-hmm. Konami at all, uh, but she is painted like with a very, I mean, there is sort of misogynistic brush that she doesn't do anything or she's just even the the i think the wisest character that the takanatsu even he says that women are just fools they don't mm-hmm. really know anything yeah uh and here tanizaki does give like he does say that these women do do stuff they're not just uh, ciphers or they're not just dolls there's actually um a complexity there's life to them than just being a, some play toys yeah so i mean th- this is a good distinction right because when you say that uh, she's being painted in a misogynistic fashion it's not tanizaki himself that's doing that right it's you know uh, if when we voice the thoughts of a kaname right or or whoever else right it's specifically from that perspective um right but he himself like just kind of an aggregate right uh that whole totalizing picture is definitely is, it's different right from what the individual people within even you know takanatsu like it, it's true that he's a more wise than others in some ways um although uh, like I, I was waiting like all right so we have all this wisdom uh there needs to be something that comes out that kind of shows the kind of complications all these characters have and of course like later on right we we, we have uh, that about the, the comment that he has about uh, women, but uh, Tekna, he's he's uh, introduced for the first time in chapter four, right? With with that letter, um, so uh, uh, I mean, let me let me just quickly read it. So, dear Hiroshi, right? Um, so this is the first time that like you know their son gets actually addressed, but it happens to not be by them. Or the examination's over. I expect to be there during your vacation, and what shall I bring you? I have been looking for your Cantonese dog. But there doesn't seem to be one in the city. Shanghai and Canton might as well be in different countries. I have been thinking I might bring you a greyhound instead. They're very popular here. I suppose you know what a greyhound is, but I am enclosing a snapshot anyway. Right? Um, then he says, uh, tell your father that I found his copy of the Arabian Nights, right? Which turn- turns out to be um, like, a, like a dozen volumes or something mm-hmm. and extremely expensive. Um and one thing that I found interesting here is how, so like the dog comes and uh, Hiroshi is like so excited about it. Like, it, like Hiroshi is, is, is presented in a way where he's able to understand kind of what's going on around him. But also there's definitely a sense that he might be on his way to becoming kind of like Kaname, right? And, you know, kind of like maybe through no fault of his own because he is very much being spoiled, right? Like, uh, uh, so like, he, so like the, so this guy comes and he brings him a greyhound and, um, 
although Hiroshi is very excited to have this Greyhound, uh, you're you're mis- you're 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 made to think that this is his first pet or something, but it's only like many chapters later that it turns out that they already have a dog inside the house that we also don't completely hear about. So mm-hmm. not only uh, so like the kid is excited about the prospect of a new dog, um, you know he's getting spoiled in every kind of direction, and they're so kind of like full of time that it's almost as if like you know like this other dog doesn't exist right like we don't even have to hear about it there's probably so many rooms and so many maids and so many this and so many that that um uh you know like it it was just a funny kind of detail where and i'm sure like tanizaki i can imagine himself like laughing to himself where he's like yeah i'm gonna now talk about this uh uh what do they name that dog like uh lydia or lindy or like yeah like lindy or like something like yeah i'm gonna talk about this other dog lindy so many chapters later people are like what there's a dog right uh but that's also kind of like a a very kind of understated maybe japanese style humor but i mean there's something very funny about that but also it's not just funny for the sake of funny it's very characterizing of everybody Mm -hmm. involved also you know of hiroshi himself too right um even like the kids aren't allowed to essentially be innocent i mean we we see right the parents uh, essentially kind of like fucking up this child in in many ways um mm-hmm. um but and i don't know like this yeah yeah go ahead so yeah they're fucking him up in a sense that um they want to protect him they it's there, there's this um it's, it's pretty funny passage when uh kaname always procrastinates on telling his son about the divorce because well the weather isn't good or we can't do it during uh, on a school day because then he'll have to go to school and his he won't have any fun mm-hmm. or we can't do it in the fall because then he will be sad and will be uh, reminded of the ephemerality of everything mm-hmm. um but in the end uh it's the uncle that tells him and he's fine he can process it on his own and he mm-hmm. um he's much he's much worse off not being told than being told mm-hmm. uh they it seems his parents don't really have a, a high um all that high an opinion of his um processing capabilities his um you know his it's not intelligence but just like emotional intelligence i guess um in a way they also see him like um the men see women a bit uh it's all very he's a bit doll like mm-hmm. um, yeah no it, it so it just um kind of explicitly show what's more implicit in the rest of the text uh, where she she bears the the brunt of the weight of like the household uh, jobs and there's also a doll festival coming up and she has these uh, well these Japanese dolls on her in her um, basement or something and she she abs- absolutely hates them but she keeps well she she keeps them for her father uh, it's more sort of to to please him and not uh, her because you see her doing all this emotional labor too so i'll just the shutters had been left closed i'll read that one okay okay so 
The shutters had been left closed to let Misako sleep late. She could tell from the light coming through above them that it was a bright, warm day, the sort of day that made one think of peach blossoms and the doll festival. She wondered whether she would have to get out all those dolls and arrange them on their tiered stand again this year. Always fond of festival dolls, her father ordered, had ordered a set in the old style from Kyoto shortly after she was born, and she had brought them along in her trousseau. She would as soon leave them buried in their closet if the choice were hers, since she had no daughters and she was not the sort to go through old routines for their own sake. Difficulty was that her father was so near. Each year when April came, he was taken with a sentimental yearning for the dolls and hurried down from Kyoto to see them. He had done so last year and the year before, and he most probably would this year too. It was not the prospect of dragging all the boxes from the closet and wiping away a year's dust that bothered her, that she could stand well enough. It was rather the thought of another ordeal like the recent one at the theater. Could she avoid bringing them out this year, she wondered? Maybe she should talk the matter over with Konami. And what would happen to the dolls when she left this house for good? Would she take them with her? She could leave them with Kaname, but that might not be pleasant for him. Yeah, um, and, and it comes later to like, uh, she's like, okay, now I have to entertain this new uh, guest, uh, Takanatsu, right? She, Because um, again, the duties are going to fall on her. Um, and it says, on Sunday mornings when there was no there was no school, she would have enjoyed staying in bed herself. But even then, Hiroshi was up at seven or so. And she felt she ought to at least make a gesture toward looking after him, right? And it's a kind of like odd mix of, uh, first of all, um, like it kind of like plays with maybe a, a, a your own kind of like readerly responses, right? So like, first of all, uh, why is she the one that has to do all of this? Given the fact mm -hmm. that neither of them are seem to really be working, right? Uh, she doesn't seem to have that many domestic duties, uh, and he has, you know, very few work duties. Um, why isn't there some kind of split going on, right? Um, but also, like this idea, she she felt she ought to at least make a gesture toward looking after him, right? Um, you know, is this really a matter of appearances? What exactly are her own feelings for her son? Are they in any way complicated towards these like odd feelings towards her uh, husband, right? Um, and uh, uh, later on, it says uh, the sleeping medicine she sometimes took in the afternoon only made her more alert and wakeful than ever. Once a week, Kaname had to show his face at the office in Osaka, and sometimes, perhaps twice or three times a month, perhaps not that often. He would often have a fit of helpfulness and see Hiroshi off to school himself. So if the reader is just kind of like, you know, maybe there's like a slightly like misogynistic response in the reader where they're like, she's a mother. Of course, she should be loving him. Of course, she should be taking care of him. Of course, she should be uh, getting up. But if you had that kind of twinge of like, or maybe I'm a little less empathetic towards her uh, after hearing of this uh, gesture of, uh, you know, being a mother, um, you don't really get that anymore, right? That gets all washed away with the commentary and Kaname, who you might have assumed at this point, he might have done some kind of work, maybe he's some kind of businessman, maybe like whatever. But at this point, you realize that no, he's working only once a week, if that, right? Mm -hmm. um, probably not even a full day. 
and barely has to do any kind of like domestic duties towards uh, his son. So they're both kind of like in their own way, um, you know, a bit neglectful, and he perhaps more neglect neglectful than she is, right? So again, like just like beautifully, subtly constructed, like like what happens at the middle or the beginning of a paragraph could totally change in meaning by the time mm-hmm. you get to the final sentence. Right. And that's very easy to miss, especially if, you know, you're not a reader, but a skimmer. It's, I think it's also mentioned in the quite in the beginning that he's a director of some sorts, Konami. Mm-hmm. So it is strange how he, well, you need to be able to make decisions, I'm assuming. So it is strange how he got that high a position without doing any work, which makes me think that he actually just he's from the merchant class because he has all of these little um, um, memories of when he was younger and he's like firmly entrenched in the merchant class. So him being a director of sorts makes me think he just um, married rich with this Mm -hmm. Masako. uh, And the fact that, um, well, that, that could be like another reason he doesn't want to divorce. But the fact that she has the affair and he's sort of the the moral winner, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that yeah, that gives him like even even more power over her. Yeah, I've, I've actually yeah. not speculated too much on Konami's origin. So, like, let's say he is from the merchant class. Um, I mean, do, do you do you think? Because I I just always assume that he probably inherited a lot of money uh, as well as lots of family connections that would allow him to get this kind of job right where he doesn't have to show up more than once a week uh and you know just say or do some <laughs> bullshit and then just depart um well, well, well uh, I, I never really considered that this uh, uh this uh, other idea of him marrying into uh, perhaps Masako's wealth because it, it does seem that Masako right her her her, her own father, obviously, right, seems to be a man of leisure in some ways, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, his kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know how early that kind of retirement would have been, like in his late 50s. Uh, but it's it, it's early enough. I'm sure there are plenty of Japanese people, you know, working into their uh, 60s and maybe even 70s uh, at that time, um, given that, you know, lifespans probably were still a bit higher uh there compared to generically the west uh, even then um but i yeah i mean it's a possibility right that he did do the marrying uh in and and but also like they're they're sort of like worried right about uh misako's future right like what if Aso abandons her like what is that going to mean for her um you know, so so who knows, right? A lot of it, I think, is it's a good decision on Tanizaki's part to mm-hmm. kind of leave it open ended. I mean, he himself, I believe, was from a merchant class. A lot of these experiences were like like he, you know, he uh, saw an earthquake that ruined his home, um, uh, and uh, this kind of like affected him psychologically, right? There was this kind of like uh, a loss of money uh, later on uh, in his kind of like teenage years. Um, but you know, maybe it's just kind of imagining like what would happen in the situation of total, you know, self indulgence if none of that transpired, right? And you could mm-hmm. imagine uh, something that maybe he would have never become a writer, right? If it was just pure, if it was just about pure uh, self indulgence in in his life, who knows? Do you want to just get to I guess that middle section where they're just talking about? Yeah, the um, well, it begins with him reading uh, 
some notes to the uh, Arabian Nights mm -hmm. uh, about the customs, uh, like Arabian customs, like they they thought um, a gap between the, the teeth was a is a mark of beauty uh, in Arab culture. Yeah. But 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 notice how he says like like many of these details. Uh, it says many of them were concerned with linguistic problems of little interest to Konami, but among them he found some that described intriguing Arab customs or suggested something about the contents of the text proper. Right. So and the example is a large hollow navel is looked upon not only as a beauty, but in children it is held at a promise of good growth. Um, uh, like a yeah, slight parting between the two front incisors, the upper only is considered a beauty by the Arabs. Uh, why it is hard to say, except for the racial variety. So he's looking for like you know, se like sexual content, right? He wants to learn about the sexual customs of Arabs yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and it like it's yeah. funny, like the ch chapter eight, which is like probably. I'd say uh, it, it is like one of the like hinge, like fulcrum chapters of the text, right? It's like right in the middle of the book, right? It starts at page 93, right? And it ends um, at like page uh, uh, like 10, yeah, 109. So like we the, the whole middle section of the book now is taken up by chapter eight, but it starts with him just kind of like just so fixated on this text. Um uh, he, bird, yeah he stops well no so it says konami drew up short here it was finally and quickly reread the last footnote lane is scandalized so he, he he sees his word scandalized and he thinks oh yeah i'm gonna get my my fix yeah uh, and that, that's the thing like he has to read this with an english dictionary um so like he's like all right it would take me too long to actually read through the entire text like this so i'm just gonna skim through until i get to like the you know the, the sexy parts um uh and i i think it just captures his psychology very well and also just the fact that like suddenly now we're you know we're here uh with uh you know like he gets interrupted by uh takanatsu right who's like all right uh, we need to talk about Misako, right? I just heard a rumor, right, that uh, Aso uh, maybe is not going to stay with her forever, right? They both uh, agreed to this idea that maybe their own love is going to fizzle down the road, and we need to deal with this because we need to be responsible, right? Um, and then we get into like a very kind of elaborate uh, discussion of uh, their past and Misako's crying jags and like some of the psychology I think uh, is very well done especially in light of the very final chapter um no like like, like what was there something about this chapter uh particularly that you wanted to discuss um so this comes after um a chapter wherein Takanatsu and Misako talk and she well confesses to him that also is not really uh, willing to make a commitment so her lover is not willing to make a commitment to her because mm -hmm. he doesn't know how he's going to feel in a year or two years um which is very much in line with um something like that kanami would say or the old man or something well not the old not the old man well no um Anyway, he yeah, gets, it, 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 but it is something that Konami would say, right? And it's both this yeah. kind of, um, you know, it's both highly modern, but also totally non-committal, right? <laughs> is there something about Masako's psychology that she seems to be drawn to two men that are in some ways very similar, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so he has this talk, um, Hideo has this talk with Kaname, and that's the first thing he really throws on the table. Um, like she has no uh, support mm-hmm. uh, because of that. Kaname says, but does a decent man make promises just to please a woman? Isn't it more honest to refuse to? Um, uh, Hideo, I don't like that sort of honesty. It's not honesty, it's lack of steadiness. Uh, Kaname, you have your nature. You you know what that reminded me of? Like, I I remember, um, I remember one time uh, I was, I was dating uh, someone very briefly when I was like 15 years old. uh, And she said, and, and uh, she said something about like, going on dates uh with another guy i'm like i'm like what are you talking about uh she was like oh i was just trying to be honest i was like being honest wait a minute that this is this is the this is the honesty like it's not like a positive for you in any way right um to simply like like the the real positive is to like not do it right um yeah and it, it remind me of that like that that you know you could definitely you could reach adulthood and still kind of like think in that way so i also thought that was a you know pretty perceptive comment on his part yeah yeah it's a sort of honesty without responsibility it's uh, yeah. again uh yeah one night as she lay in bed with the covers pulled up to her forehead he heard her sobbing quietly Long into the night, he lay staring into the darkness of the room, listening. It was not the first time he had been assailed by the sobbing in the night. A year or two after they were married, when he was beginning to withdraw from her sexually, he had often enough had to meet the same accusing evidence of the woman's wretchedness. He knew what it meant, and he felt intensely sorry for her. At the same time, he was conscious of being pushed farther from her, and at a loss for a way to console her, he let the sobbing pass in silence. Would he have to spend the rest of his life with it? Who knew how many years? The prospect made him long to be alone and free. Gradually, she seemed to accept her loneliness, however, and the sobbing stopped. And now, after years of respite, it had started again. Konami at first doubted his ears, then asked himself how to account for this extraordinary development. Why should she have started again? What case should she be pleading now? Had she never resigned herself at all, only waited for the day when his affection for her would return, and now, after years of waiting, had she found it impossible to wait any longer? What a fool the woman was, he thought, and as years before, he let the tears pass in silence. But night after night, they continued. Quite unable to find an explanation, he finally told her she was making a nuisance of herself. Yeah. Um... What case should, should, could she be pleading now? It's a pretty funny way to think of like she's crying again after she has cried for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing that he can think of is that she's attacking him somehow. What case is she pleading with me now? It's, it's again, it's a, he doesn't engage with her. He, he only thinks she's kind of, attacking him for for something um yeah there, there's yeah. like an almost kind of like an abstracted quality to it right where it's kind of like you know there's a rhetoric here there's a set of arguments here what exactly mm-hmm. are they right uh there's you know it, it's just extremely uh distant emotionally um beyond anything um 
And so like at that, Masako broke into open and unrestrained sobbing. Forgive me. There's something I've kept from you. She said softly, her voice choked with tears. Right. Um, and she's talking about the fact that, uh, you know, there's this uh, affair, right? Uh, that that that's happening with uh, Aso, right? Uh, and um, she does say, Masako said that the affair had gone no farther than declaration of affection. And he saw no reason to doubt her. Even so, her confession seemed enough to cancel out the debt he had been carrying, right? Again, back to the comments about manipulation, right? This idea that um, you know everybody has like a set of uh, a set of behaviors within the context of a marriage, right? Everybody is uh, uh, doing something or not doing enough of so something, saying something, not saying enough of, of something. And they're kind of keeping all these uh, tallies. Or rather, he seems to be keeping the tally, right? She seems to be mm -hmm. interested in having a husband that loves her and is able to show this kind of affection, right? Um He's more interested in these kinds of tallies uh, as a way to either create, you know, either the kind of, um, you know, the grounds for a divorce or to assuage uh, guilt. And it seems like very much a lot of this is is that personal guilt, right? Yeah, this this burden, right? The burden being he feels like he can't be a good husband to her because of his weird expectations when it comes mm -hmm. to women and the fact that you know he cannot be sexual with her in any way after the first couple of years um like further on there's a, a set of principles um, yeah yeah so 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 after like they're like you know they're brief they're now ready to discuss the possibility of um you know a divorce right so maybe get into that set of principles yeah Konami recited the set of principles he had been carrying nicely composed in his mind. One, to satisfy appearances, Misako is for the present to remain Konami's wife. Two, similarly, for the sake of appearances, Aso is to be for the present a friend only. Three, to the extent that it will not arouse suspicion, Misako's love for Aso, both physical and spiritual, is to be given free license. Four, if after a period or of two or three years, it appears that Misako and Aso are affectionate and compatible and are in prospect of being happily married, Konami will take principal responsibility for gaining the, con the, the consent of Misako's family and will formally relinquish her to Aso. Five, this, this period of two or three years is therefore to be considered a testing of the affections of Misako and Aso for each other. If it appears that the test has failed and that the two, because of inco incompatibilities which have emerged, could not make a successful marriage, Misako will remain in Konami's house as she has to now. Six, if happily the experiment is a success, Konami will continue to regard the two as friends after they are married. Yeah, um, again, it, you know, this kind of like weird uh, uh, contract and the way that yeah. it gets set up, this contract, right, uh, before before we get to the enumerated list. Um, uh, speaking of like Misako, if one was always looking for something better, then of course there was no end to one's demands. But the world was full of unfortunate wives and Misako, unloved but with little else to complain of, could not find it in her to make that alone the reason for abandoning her husband and child, right? And then um, basically uh, 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 the 
the way that Kaname uh, describes it is with us, I suppose, is that we're more afraid of what's in front of our noses than of what's still a distance off, Kaname said with a laugh. At the end of the conversation, Kaname came to his proposal. We'll have to arrange, he said by way of preface, so that we'll be drifting into a divorce and hardly knowing it. <laughs> I mean, get I mean, it it's, together, it's, 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 it's such a, it's such a funny line right but like yeah. you could you know you could read it and not necessarily laugh right um but it, it's it, it's such a funny it's such a funny line uh it's i, I th this whole book has this sort of funny quality because of the frustration that goes on uh-huh um i mean if it's this or he can't decide a moment to uh announce a divorce to his son it has to be the the, the perfect conditions uh it's so um yeah so stupid yeah. so frustrating that it becomes well pretty funny actually but um i, I think the way yeah. that the title you know presents it some prefer nettles like it, it's innately humorous too right it, mm -hmm. it, it like the title itself is not it's not the kind of humor that you necessarily laugh out loud at but it's the kind it's the kind of you know non-laughing humor right there's objectively a humor there right in recognizing that oh look you know people are walking around in life doing all kinds of things to make their own lives difficult for you know whatever reason in their heads right the funny part being that that reason in their heads is totally insufficient for uh you know the the behaviors that they're undertaking um so yeah and i mean mm -hmm. this is this is the uh, uh this is the kind of like middle uh chapter right uh, for anybody that has read this book or is going to read this book i would tell people to really pay attention to this chapter as a fulcrum especially if you're somebody that wants to be a writer and try to really understand how it works as a kind of pivot point right because it's so easy to miss with something written like this as um you know as 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 seamless uh yeah so i mean after so after that pivot point right uh there's another kind of structurally interesting decision right where for the rest of the book most of it is just about this falling deeper and deeper into the puppetry uh a grown kind of fixation uh with uh ohisa and maybe even like, you know, Konami's own envy, you know, about the old man, like he almost feels like, you know, I want a relationship like this, um, where, you know, I'm just massaged late into the night and I go to sleep and and that's that, right? Um, and I could have a woman that more or less looks like a doll and behaves like a doll, right? Of course, the revelation later on is that uh, she's not like a doll. She's actually a more complicated uh, person. Mm -hmm. um and that he himself seems to go through some kind of transformation near the end but uh what, what do you want to say about this kind of growing you know like deep like this deeper and deeper kind of descent into his own mind i mean even when he visits the prostitute near the end um that is also very much like although we, like he's with another person that seems to be like in some ways the most kind of like entrenched into his own brain uh compared to like almost any even in more the kind of like abstract discussions of art or whatever um mm -hmm. like what, what do you think about like the direction that the novel goes after you know after all this uh well it seems that he just doesn't know how to he doesn't do anything with his life 
and that's that that get what's give that's what gives him this um well he lacks a sense of purpose mm -hmm. and instead of looking for one uh there's plenty of um, um ways to begin like in his near in his nearby um environment there's his wife um whatever his son but he only knows how to go even deeper he only knows how to go further the the wrong end so to have even less purpose in life um mm. it, it's Yeah. Like, yeah. did you find a discussion uh like with the prostitute as kind of like like did it disturb you in any way because i when i was reading it i was like the semper for nettles title really came to the fore um just gauging their interactions and it made me think why the hell does he want anything to do with this woman at all like even you know even if she satisfies you know uh you sexually here in this kind of you know like once a week or whatever it might be or even if you're really into foreign women, like it seems totally absurd, right? Um, it's kind of like this like swing of an arc, right? Character arc from uh, someone that you might feel kind of uh, empathetic towards and likable to totally like, you know, um, it's almost like a, a denuding of a prostitute, you know what I mean? Where it starts with these like enigmatic little stories about like, oh, she's like this expert linguist. She's able to do this and sing and dance and so many wonderful, talented mm -hmm. things. Uh, why am I wasting away in this kind of, uh, you know, in this brothel? Um, but then it's like revealed, well, you know, she probably grew up speaking, you know, these languages uh, simply because of her ancestry. Um and then this kind of you know this this total like demand for money right it, it becomes like you see how transactional it is and uh in mm -hmm. some ways like it's also interesting because like uh the reader could respond to that in a somewhat you know mis misogynistic way like oh this dumb bitch you just want my money huh but at the same time it's like well okay look you're dealing with a prostitute this is her job right uh uh, uh she's not here to placate all these other parts of you right you're here for a service and yet it's really konami who has all these elaborate fantasies about her elaborate fantasies about her past elaborate fantasies about some kind of potential future and um when he's like it, it like it, it's you don't know whether or not he's gonna see her again but it, it seems to me like he might ultimately come to the resolution that he wouldn't although he comes to the resolution a lot uh, in this uh, passage here, like let me um, let me get to it. He's basically imagining what she would look like as a uh, you know as a wife, right? And he does not like the image of her uh, uh, as a wife, right? This is how he imagines her, right? Um, Konami rather enjoyed putting her off, but he could not deny that her proposal interested him, meaning like to be like his mistress forever. She was not the sort of girl who would want to stay long in one place. And he was quite sure, joking aside, that one, but her name is Louise, that one day she would run away uh, to Harbin, perhaps. That, however, might be a rather a relief. What bothered him more was the thought of how complicated it would be to set up a mistress. Louise said that she would be satisfied with the rent to Japanese house as long as it had Western furniture. But somehow, even assuming that she could... 
that she could, to outward appearances, give up her luxuries and take to mining her accounts like an admirable housewife, the picture of her coming into a narrow little room through an ill-fitting door and walking across the puffy insubstantiality of badly made flooring, her bobbed head emerging from a wifely cotton kimono, somehow the picture had its disenchanting aspects. I feel like here, uh, not only her aggressiveness, but also imagining her as a wife or wifely in some ways, like totally maybe puts him off of her mm -hmm. uh, forever. I mean, like, what were your impressions? Because that was fairly, because like, we don't know anything about his like, you know, visits to prostitutes until you get to that chapter, right? And it almost comes a little bit out of nowhere, but it's also very, you know, functionally important and also just a lot of parts beautiful. Um, what did you think about his interaction with Luis? Well, I, I also think that passage that you just read, it's also this Western element put into the Japanese environment, mm -hmm. which freaks him out. Um, that's how, why he's always like, he's reaching, it's more obvious towards Western stuff just to escape um, himself. Um, and it's more like an, sh she's kind of, um his drug or something like uh, a couple of paragraphs later he said that each time he was seen to the door and into the waiting into a waiting cab by the boy konami made the same resolution and as he turned to look back at louise blowing a kiss from the door he secretly said goodbye forever but strangely the resolution never lasted three days by the fifth or seventh day the desire to see her again was quite out of control and no matter what the complications back he came running to kobe so kobe the city where she works mm -hmm. um yeah so he's he's addicted to her so uh it's like he's a drug addict and he can't stop uh getting his fix uh yeah yeah i, I mean when i was reading that i definitely thought like this really uh, captures a sort of like boredom of something like alcoholism or maybe like the boredom uh, of drugs, uh, the boredom of, uh, I mean, like I remember we were talking before about, um, you know, you mentioned how like uh, you're often like uh, on the phone or like on gadgets more than you'd like uh, for like for a lot of people and for me included, uh, I'll, you know, a lot of like getting off of gadgets or whatever just came about through like, I'm just bored, right? Um, or like times in my life where it's like uh, I've been like way too stressed over something or, you know, things are just like difficult in some way or, you know, just going through personal shit. Um, you know, like if, if I find myself like either like, you know, eating a bit too much and I gain maybe like a few pounds uh, or like smoking too much, too much weed. A, a lot of the way that that reverses is not some sort of like okay like, i have to stop right it, it just i just get bored it's like what, okay what the fuck am i doing right next 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 right i i i'm in this like little haze or whatever now it's time to move on right i had my haze um and after this haze there's nothing more to say nothing more to do but one thing that's fascinating here is uh just just watching their interaction in the book uh it is fascinating that he has not gotten bored of her at this point right um she doesn't seem to be i'm not sure if this other side of her came out just now or if it was always there but um uh not only is just kind of like alarming but it's also just it's just boring right i mean 
uh, especially when you figure out the enigma, especially after he his suspicions about her past kind of come to, you know, fruition, so at least in his own mind, right? Wouldn't that be a recipe for boredom? Why doesn't that uh, sort of like trigger some sort of like impulse uh, to stop? Not the guilt, not the whatever, but just, you know, the, this other kind of almost like animalistic sort of, uh, you know, a boredom, right? Well, maybe that's not animalistic. Maybe animals don't really get bored, but the more kind of like human in we, right? Um, but he also, he keeps uh, seeing her as a mystery because um, it's said that she has like this, um, she's from Poland or something, and then she picked up those languages. And that's why she's good at Japanese. But he makes, in his mind, she's sort of, she has Turkish blood in her. She's a sort of exotic queen. Uh, and then even afterwards, he says, well, uh, she's she's such a gifted linguist. She should do something with that instead of be stuck in prostitution. Uh, so you would have a hard time finding a woman like her even in Paris. Whereas I think she's just a, a normal, not very remarkable woman. Mm-hmm. But he, he does make her this sort of uh, enigma so he can... Uh, he can stave off being bored with her. Mm-hmm. Seems. No, oh, maybe. Yeah, that that's a good. Uh, I mean, maybe he does know, like deep down, that boredom is just always around the corner, right? Um, and he does need that enigma. Um, so I mean, like, so like we're getting close to the end of the book, right? And so everything sort of comes to a resolution a couple of ways. So uh, Takanatsu he ends up telling Hiroshi in Tokyo about the um about an impending divorce and i guess part of the reason why i said that there's this uh you know almost like kaname like konami like quality in hiroshi is in the fact that after he was told about the divorce he was very upset but then the next day right he was almost back to normal in some ways Mm -hmm. um and a lot of it was kind of like placated by consumption, right? He like bought a bunch of shit in the store and it's like, all right, now I feel good. Now I feel good. Right. That's not explicitly stated, but you know, it's kind of like a, a way of uh, staving that off. And the fact that he has access to be able to do that, right? Like any other kid, right. Dealing with a parental divorce uh, would not be able to just, uh, I think the quote was buy the entire store um, to then feel better. Uh, so this is how Hiroshi learns. So it's like, all right, now they don't have a, a reason to stave this off further. Uh, uh, Kaname sends a letter to his father-in-law describing what transpires. Um, and they're uh, saying we might get a divorce. This is our plan. So his father-in-law immediately says, all right, I'm going to come. Right, He writes a letter that seems to be very uh, upset. He's like, okay, I'm going to come right away. And we're going to have this uh, discussion. So this is uh, ultimately what happens, right? And I, I, I think this is a critical chapter. Like if you're if you were to leave the old man as he was thus characterized already, uh, you'd have a fairly empty, you know, comic character, maybe comic relief, but not. There's like more subtlety to him. I think even if you reread the book uh, in light of what you learn later. But um, on the first reading, right, it would feel a little bit hollow. But here, like, how, how would you characterize, like, the changes that maybe not the old man goes through, right? He maybe goes through no changes at all. But the changes that he imparts to the reader in terms of what the reader knows about him then versus 
uh, uh, what happens upon this visit. Yeah, so he's more characterized as his, he was a gallant in his youth, and now he has this young girl as a mistress or wife, I don't know. Uh, but in those last chapters, it actually transpires that he has like principles. He has a, a way of seeing the world. And even his, uh, like his mistress, Ohisa, uh, he says, well, we may not be a good match, but uh, we've been together for so long. And you develop a sort of, um, it's, it's the de a deeper kinship or something that is the, the core of a marriage, basically. And that's actually mentioned fairly in the beginning too by uh, Kanami. He, he like analyzes his marriage and then, oh, but we should remain married because we people develop this bond after being for, together for mm -hmm. so long. Uh, what, 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 do you, what do you think about that specifically as a principle, this kind of like marriage as long-term uh, cultivation of like some sort of affection, even in the midst of some or even substantial problems elsewhere? Um, there, there is a kind of like old time hokey wisdom to it that I think could easily get lost. Uh, yeah, that you have to like work at it and uh, like to do maintenance on it. Um, well, well, not even just that, but like th that it could be, I mean, you know, the whole kind of like, you know, cliche of the past being like, you know, people get married and they just sort of stick it out uh, and the bond emerges uh, because of that, right? Um, and it's not really about love. Uh, I mean, do you think there's anything uh, to that? Because, I mean, I, I think most modern people, like, they wouldn't stand for a loveless marriage, right? Unless they absolutely have to. Well, I think that's what the book kind of shows. There's, there's a loveless marriage, which are they should be gotten out of as opposed to maybe ideally what he describes as a marriage that has its ups and downs but that there's that strong connection and it, it's not a loveless marriage the love just becomes something deeper and something that is not glamorized at all in the well hasn't ever been glamorized maybe uh so there is some truth to that but those people haven't lived it it seems, mm -hmm. um, although there's there's no mention of um, the old man's, I guess his wife, the mother of Misako, what that was, she she must have died, or maybe they also got a divorce. But I I don't. I think, think I think she case. I think she died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe he gleaned that that wisdom from there, like taken in the light of Hideo's um uh comment like it's not honesty it's a lack of steadiness and so this old man certainly says well it is steadiness so i don't know the my response is that he was he definitely is wiser than you think of him and he that Kanami does does not really understand him. He once again looks at the old man very superficially and gets out of it. Oh, a young mistress or lazing about all day, smoking a pipe. Um, um, it's more a sort of 
it's again a characterization of Konami not being able to see deeper the like what is behind the the facade of the old man living his life like that um and it's a more it's not a oh i'll do whatever i want kind of thing he he developed these principles he worked for his principles as opposed to konami mm -hmm. uh, despite there not being that much of a um an age difference as the old man is only in his 50s and konami must also be like 40 maybe um it it shows negatively on konami again yeah yeah there, there there's a uh, like even at, uh, at the beginning of um it's like when he gets uh, uh so like when when the old man basically confronts him about all this right this does surprise uh konami in some ways right when he's like all right uh do you want me to explain further than what i said in my letter the old man says no no i understand in a general way but konami if you want my opinion in a word i say you're in the wrong so for the first time that we get uh in the book uh someone here is you know actually blaming konami right he you know mm. he seems to go through life without sufficient uh you know like without su sufficient problems right like uh, uh tekanatsu's previous letter um to uh misako from the chapter before it ends with um uh this is what he says the way through life is not always smooth and it is good for a boy to have his troubles indeed konami himself has had all too few a really serious blow might teach him to pamper himself a little less right and that has always uh, that has always stuck with me this idea mm -hmm. of um you know I, I like after reading that like 10 15 years ago for the first time i was like do i pamper myself too much like is this like a thing right this is uh you know uh, th this is a phenomenon that uh, i guess people go through and i didn't really understand it too much then but uh, i do understand it more now right there's definitely there's definitely ways uh, uh that you could be that are way too sparing of yourself and i think the phrase sparing of yourself uh might be uh is that nietzsche is that something else but it's like a variation of the same kind of idea mm -hmm. right um this this idea that you are pampering yourself in some way um it is against and, like litmus test of your own maturity yeah because i read this book like in my early 20s uh and then you see some stuff but now you get the the like the emotional maturity from it a lot more mm -hmm. so um lots of wisdom to be gained if you engage properly with this book yeah um, so, so 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 it's like we, you know we don't get that much criticism of konami until that letter and also the you know chapter 14 the last chapter and he says uh you know you're in the wrong right and konami is like very offended by this right that for the first time someone seems to uh say that to him um and uh, uh so i i think it's worth reading what what uh, the old man says in full i suppose that is a little too strong but don't you think you put too much faith in what you call being reasonable the times are what they are and i can't keep you from treating your wife as if she were another man of the world i suppose right and i mean this is something that we get all the time even even now right 
Uh, I think there's definitely something to the idea that men and women should over time approximate themselves, uh, each other more and more rather than becoming more and more distinct. Um, but the fact is like, you know, men are men, women are women. Uh, if you uh, understand that really, uh, that's probably going to cause fewer conflicts for you in whatever relationship that you might engage in. People might not want to hear it, but that is a fact, right? There's certain things that men want and crave. There's certain things that women want and crave. And there's also a lot of overlap, right? The moments of overlap are great. The rest is give and take and mutual understanding, right? Um, so you shouldn't be surprised, though, if you find it doesn't work as you think it ought to. But let me come to the point and forget the preliminaries. You had Masako choose another husband in a trial basis because you didn't have the qualifications yourself. That's not very realistic. You talk about being modern, but there are some things you simply can't do in that free, open way of yours, right? Um, and he starts describing like, you know, I, I've known marriages like your marriage in the past, right? So he's he he himself, the old man, is dipping into the past to show that you know, this isn't a new problem, right? Uh, my wife and I were that way ourselves, as a matter of fact. None of your one year or two years, sometimes for five years at a stretch, I never went near her. But she just assumed that was the way things were, and there was no problem. The world has come to be a much more complicated place when you think about it. But if you send a woman away, even for a trial, and she discovers halfway, though, that she's made a mistake, then she's in the predicament of not being able to come back, no matter how much she may want to. Talk of free choice all you like. There's no free choice whatsoever in the matter. Um, so, I mean, a couple of things. Like, first of all, uh, you know, he's he's not just misogynistically saying that, you know, I used to not come to my wife uh, at all for a while, right? And this was the norm. He says, you know, the world now has changed. It's different, right? He is uh, wise enough to acknowledge that, you can't have a relationship as easily, uh, uh, you know, along these parameters, and you know, it, uh, compared to maybe like a, a half century before, right? It's a lot harder to have a sexless marriage now than it might have been a long time ago, right? So he's he, he's aware of all this, right? But again, like uh, we mentioned this earlier, talk of free choice all you like. There's no free choice whatsoever in the matter, right? And it makes me wonder how much of this is this idea of uh, like a social stigma. The woman can't come back. How much of it might be, you know, there might be bits and pieces of it that are kind of like biologically ingrained, right? This feeling of like, you know, that's it. You know, I've sort of like ruined it and there's no way to kind of like turn it around. Um, you know, that, that's not all social engineering, although obviously a lot of it is. Mm -hmm. Um but you know it doesn't it doesn't uh the 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 interesting thing here is that it does not exactly give you those answers right you could as a modern person right me someone that is kind of like you know uh uh, uh i i'm i pay attention to the social engineering and i don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing right social engineering has gotten like a bad reputation for whatever reason as if you know everything is not social engineering when it is um, I'm interested in, you know, like a uh, male, female, what would those differences in fact entail outside of the kind of, you know, a uh, caricatured cartoonish version of maybe, uh, Jordan B. Peterson, the way that he might present such things. Um, but these are interesting questions and, and I could have my own set of answers here. You could have your own set of answers. Someone reading this in 1929, right. Would have had a different set of answers. And 
uh, a century later, right, we could still come up, you know, with something new, with something different, right? And uh, there's definitely a kind of like visionary quality in terms of how he presents that kind of uh, uh, psychology, right? He says, time will pass and you'll find that you are very much suited for each other after all, right? Um, you know, I, I do think that relationships over time, uh, you should grow progressively more and more and more compatible, right? If if that's not mm -hmm. happening for you, if you're growing less compatible, or if those core issues are not resolving, well, that's a problem, right? You should be growing more compatible as time goes on, right? There should be based on mutual understanding. Um, and, and finally, this last part, where he says, but of course, Misako has been unfaithful, and I can't blame you if you tell me that I'm talking nonsense. And then uh, he says, please, that has nothing to do with it. She had my permission, and it's not fair to call her unfaithful. And I love this line, but unfaithfulness is unfaithfulness. I only wish you told me before it came to that, right? Um, I mean, there, there's, there's definitely something to it, permission or not, right? Uh, there is, like, I, like, I understand, like, you know, there's like modern, like polyamorous couples and all this other shit going on. But the fact is, like, if you're talking about a relationship, which is difficult, a marriage, which is difficult and requires time, uh, if you are just kind of arbitrarily just seeing random partners and this and that, uh, you are providing less time and investment into your relationship. That's a fact. Because if you're on a date with somebody that's not your wife or whatever, that is time that you could have spent on a date with your wife. That is time you could have spent reading a book together and talking about it, watching a movie together and talking about it, right? These are all things that factually, objectively strengthen your bond if you do have any kind of complexity in your head, right? Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you may take issue with the way that but unfaithfulness is unfaithfulness. You may take issue with the way that's being presented, but there is definitely uh, a depth and wisdom to a lot of what he says, even if, and this is, I think, the critical part, he's not somebody, the old man is not somebody that you would look up to, is he, right? The mm -hmm. idea of a 59-year-old, whatever he is, dating a 21-year-old, you know, it's just, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to do the whole modern thing of calling him a groomer calling him a predator no he's just kind of like a, a stereotypical you know uh old man creep right that's and a lot of people are like that but also it, it's hard for me to you know it's hard for, for me to see how he says in any way as a as a victim here because when she spends time alone um with uh, uh konami right and he sees her for the first time as a human being and she's like making fun of the old man she's being critical of him not in a way that's vicious or anything she's just like realistic about like she knows that she's 21 and she knows that she's that he's 59 or whatever it is right um and and uh, uh they, they understand this they've come to some sort of understanding it could be you know financially based it could be something else like whatever it is they've come to some sort of understanding there might be some maturity there but also, you know, he's not somebody to aspire to either, right? I think it's important to be able to give characters, right, this, these kinds of depths. Um, uh, he, he wants an Ohisa type as a mistress, but uh, like an, mm -hmm. more Ohisa than Ohisa herself. Mm -hmm. And this comes just before, like, the revelation that Ohisa herself also has a bit of a personality. Mm -hmm. and that she's kind of bored with all the 
education the old man gives her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually, I think it's in another uh, uh, chapter um, where basically he's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one. So uh, Konami is just kind of like looking around his his house, right? And uh, this is what he says, or rather, this is what he thinks. Lying on the matted floor, Konami looked with new interest at the mellowed woodwork, at the stand in the alcove and the trailing branch of bright yellow flowers, at the polished wood in the hall reflecting the light from outside like water. For all the excitement of her love affair, Misako still changed the decorations in the Japanese rooms now and then, the hangings and the flowers, to harmonize with the changing of the seasons. No doubt she did it from inertia and habit. Still, when Konami thought of the day when the flowers would disappear, he knew that even this lifeless marriage, like the sheen of woodwork seen and remembered morning and evening and morning again, was something so near and so familiar that it would continue to pull at him even after it was gone, right? Um, like there, there is that kind of enduring domesticity, right? She wants to be modern but it's always going to be there right uh she's Mm going to want to do some of these things it could be as simple as she i mean she wants to maybe have konami return in some way but the fact is like that pull is there for him and it's there for her and as much as he himself he wants to combat this idea of like you know i'm so bored of the kind of you know matronly uh you know a wifely wife right but you know, uh, there, there's clearly uh, uh, the deepest kind of attraction. It's not to, you know, Luis or any of these other prostitutes. It seems to really be for this, right? And and there's this kind of very mysterious ending where he seems to be like in this net, net mosquito net, uh, a rain starts. And you don't know if he at some point fell asleep or what. But he asked Ohisa to bring him a bunch of books, uh, like these old style woodblock books and she comes out books yeah yeah these these, japanese yeah and and uh you don't know actually if she's the one that comes out because there's also this kind of like phantom voice um that he like uh uh thinks like oh is there some kind of um you know uh argument that's going on between masako and her father right this kind of like phantom argument that he maybe imagines or maybe he does hear it right and this is how the ending is characterized a gust of wind came through the open window and the shower began. Konami could not could hear large drops falling against the leaves. He raised himself on an elbow and stared out into the wooded depths of the garden. A small green frog, a refugee from the rain, clung halfway up the fluttering side of the net, its belly reflecting the light from the bed lamp. It's finally begun. The door slid open, and this time half a dozen old-style Japanese books in arm. It was no puppet that sat faintly white in the shadows beyond the netting. Um, so, well, like, what, what, what do you think about that ed- that ending? I mean, there's so many things you could say about it, but, uh, I mean, like, immediate impressions or whatever. Um, well, first, there, I thought the um, the shower began was a sort of nice full circle because the, the novel begins with that image of the basin of water mm-hmm. uh, about to spill. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's the him being trapped inside of the netting, uh, finally giving into that all those old Japanese books. After like um, the whole book is littered with uh, like Arabian Nights, there's Western style books, and now he's he, he's 
it seems like it's like an image for him fully going for that um well that conservative that japanese traditional conservatism but also just even further into himself um there was no puppet that sat faintly white in the shadows beyond the netting uh that he even seems like puppet-like um Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, exactly. It could be a reference uh, to him. It could be a reference. So he's, uh, it also could be a, a reference, who knows, to uh, Misako, right? In the sense that, mm -hmm. I mean, because Ohisa was supposed to bring the books to him, but instead she's, you know, she's sitting uh, in the net, you know, beyond the net. And why is she sitting down, right? Uh, um you know it could be someone else altogether right it could be masako right uh it's not exactly clear but i mean even this kind of enigmatic line it's finally begun the most literal reading obviously the rain um but but you know what else could be you know what else could be the beginning right there's this um john berryman uh a poem that um uh like the the opening to uh um self-portrait in the convex oh. mirror John Ashbery. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, John John Ashbery. Uh, um, where he, uh, he's talking about like the, the summer, right? The same kind of summer drowsiness, right? So this was all, but obscurely, I felt the stirrings of new breath in the pages, which all winter long had smelled like an old catalog. New sentences were starting up, but the summer was well along, not yet past the midpoint, but full and dark with the promise of that fullness. That time when one can no longer wander away, and even the least attentive fall silent, to watch the thing that is prepared to happen. Right? It doesn't matter exactly what that thing is. Right? That kind of mystery of what it is. Right? We've already we've we have like any number of tendrils. Right? Those happenings could go into any kind of direction. But, um, uh, you know the 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 fact that in 1929 you could have that salty. I mean, I'm always amazed. Right? When you when you look at images, right, from uh, various time periods, right, you always have this kind of impression that they're psychologically less rich, less complex than you are. And then you you do something like you read the poetry, you read the novels, and you understand that they understood more or less what you understand, right, mm -hmm. just through a different filter. So anyway, that's uh, that's uh, Tenazaki, definitely one of my favorite novels and my favorite of his. What are his other novels? Because this is the only Tanizaki book I've read. There, uh, there, there's Naomi, uh, which is a very good novel. But I only read that once. Uh, uh, I don't remember it being uh, as good as some prefer Nettles. Um, there's uh, what is it, like the old man and the key or something. I forget the exact title. Uh, um, or maybe it's actually I have like a, it's like a dual thing. It's like the key and then it's some old man keeping a diary mm -hmm. anyway a lot of it just, a lot of it does tend to devolve into like kind of like lecherous old man type shit um mm -hmm. which this i mean like i mean this in a different kind of artist's hands could have easily uh gone in that direction as well right whereas now it's like you know you understand this is not a man to look up to even if he has wisdom or you know even if you might envy some parts of his life i mean i'm sure a lot of men like and they're kind of like most kind of like base animal instinct to like yeah six-year-old man you know let me be massaged to sleep by a 20-year-old every night 
Um, but generally speaking, like I think most people understand it's not something to emulate. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, uh, I guess, uh, this is, this is it, right? Artifact number, uh, 37, it should be artifact number 38 also a week from now, from now, hopefully. Um, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to keep, uh, setting this stuff out. Uh, thank you guys for watching like subscribe we have a patron show coming up for the patrons i think that's going to go up maybe a day or two after uh this one goes up but again thank you guys for watching and we'll see you again soon